Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. Welcome back, Paddling Nation. This is Kevin Olson, your host, uh, along with my co-host, Bill Mahaffey. How are we doing today, Bill? I am doing well, Kevin. Doing well. And how are you doing, sir? I am doing quite well. I don't know if you guys can hear this, but I have two dogs going at it in the other room. <laughs> and, uh, but um, I am doing well. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for the upcoming season because we're starting to get out on the water. So that is super exciting. And uh, we got a lot to talk about today. So we got a, 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 a jam-packed episode for you today. So um, our ho- our guest today is Sean Burke. We'll, we'll get in a little bit further about him in a minute, but we have some news updates that we're going to be talking about. We got some Florida camp because we are currently recording this um, while uh, the Florida training camp is going on. They're all down there having fun, and we're up here looking at 40 degrees and snow. But that's all right. We were able to paddle this weekend, and I know some people <laughs> paddled at home, so yeah. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, yep, so we're going to try to talk a little bit about that. We're going to also talk about the upcoming uh, New York camp. So that's pretty big here in New York, um, and it's looking, it's shaping up to probably be the biggest year that we've ever had. And then we're also going to be interviewing our guest, Sean Burke, who is the founder and creator of The Science of Paddling. So um, if you guys follow us on Facebook, I have uh, shared some of uh, Sean's articles. I've, I've read every single one of them. And um, I think so, uh, most of our listeners probably have too. So it'll be pretty uh, – I, th- I'm, I'm, I think this is going to be a good interview. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, kind of a, a fanboy of the stuff that he's posted and written. Um, and kind of looking forward to just talking like paddling in general. Because I understand he's a pretty well-established paddler too. So yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is very cool. It's cool to have someone that um, can, you know, ex- have the, the actual explanation behind some of the things that go on inside of, you know, inside, uh, the actual paddling. So, um, so it's cool to have that perspective. Well, Hey, let's, let's jump into this. What do you got? Like, let's talk Florida training camp, Florida training camp. So, um, probably, so we haven't gotten much word yet on a lot from Florida. We've been, uh, kind of trying to pick some of our sources that are down there. Um, but have heard rumblings that Sarah Lassard and Edith McCaddy are um, potentially pairing up for the Sable this year, Bill. Yeah, I've, I've heard that one kind of through the grapevine as well. I think we can probably pencil that in as highly likely, but pending confirmation, it's not 100%. We'll, uh, if they're out there, you know, hey, maybe one of them will cue us up and, and give us the confirmation thumbs up on that. But I think that one's in the books. Yeah. And I think that that might be the women's team to beat this year. I, I would say so. Um, the only team that I could see maybe kind of shocking them, like uh, the, the Treston sisters get faster every year. And they've yet to really see or reach their peak. Um, I think they're much they're uh, they're much more capable of performing higher than what they've done. It's just a matter of like that breakout moment. So yeah. It would be interesting, but yeah, um, you'd have those the Trustins. Have you heard any other uh, women's teams matchups? I mean, no, but you know who I'd like to see paddle together. I think would okay. be a good team. Let's would be like Naomi uh, Kolka and Phoebe Reese. I, I think I, that would be a good team. Yeah, I think that would be a good team, but I think Naomi is holding out or maybe possibly has a chance to go with her Uncle Jeff. Oh, uh, gotcha, um, yeah. Like, that would be – and you can't blame Naomi. Uh, I've been – Naomi and I have, like, missed chances to get in the boat the last year or two. Uh, we're, we're both Gillies fans, Gillies uh, lovers, um, 
So we've got that going for us. But really, at the end of the day, like, I think she's got a chance. My fingers are crossed. I'm pulling for her to possibly go with Jeff Kolka. Um, yeah, that'd be, go with one of the can't pass that up. <laughs> dude, yeah, no, a- absolutely not. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd drop my mother for a chance to go with Jeff Kolka. You know, I'd, I'd drop everybody for, okay, Jeff, cool. <laughs> you want me to paddle the whole thing blindfolded? Got it. Got it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but that just kind of, that speaks to the level of, uh, I think women's paddling has really made a, a surge these past couple of years. Um, I, I really think that, um, over the next like three or four years, I think you're going to see stronger and stronger women's fields. Um, Mm. and I hope we get more money for them like we did at the 70 the other year. Um, you know, because I think that's just great. You know, I, I, I think that, um, my dad, I don't know if you knew this, but my dad's a mixed nationals champion with, um, yeah. So he, um, uh, with Roberta, um, who's in the, who's in the hall of fame, the 70 hall of fame with him also. So, but, um, so like, I just, I, I love, uh, having, uh, you know, um, I love the idea of more women getting into battling and, and, and all that. So, um, and that's where I actually just, before we hopped on the call, there was a, a photo because they always do a women's day at the Florida training camp. And that was, it was today, I believe that they did that. So they had, it looked like 17 uh, women today. So that's a pretty, I was going to say, did you see how many were in that? 18. Yeah. There's 18. a woman that took that picture. So that would be 18 oh, yeah. at yeah. that camp. Yeah. So that's like, you know, that's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty exciting to see, to see that many uh, people out there. I always get so jealous. So I'll be honest. I get jealous. I was going to go to Florida this year, but it didn't work out because uh, my Asabo partner couldn't make it out to Florida. So we uh, decided to, um, take another weekend to, to get uh, training together, but uh, I, I just get so jealous when I see the people in Florida. <laughs> have, you, have you never? Have you never did Florida? No. Training camp? Okay. No, I'm. Uh, I mean, eventually, me and the wife are looking to move to Florida, and I've never paddled in Florida, but I know that I'm gonna love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did the training camp once, and. Um, it, it, Nate Tate and I actually had some just epic moments in training camp. Um, there was one day where we chased um, Eve and oh, I'm Norman Mangy, mm. and like we had no idea really, like, hey, who we were following, with, who's with Eve, and and uh, I forget who it was. It was like you realize you're riding a triple crown winner's wake and just hanging in there. Um, and then that same day, we, we ended up in about a six-boat fracas with all of the really big dogs. It, and we held our own for about 200 yards, but that's the quality of paddler that, that I am, right? I'm not going with triple right. crown winners for more than about 200 yards. And then we tipped. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty awesome. Like, you're down there, and it's the who's who of the paddling world. So, right. hey, before yep. we jump on to the, uh, the New York training camp thing, because we got to kind of keep this flowing, you know who we missed in the discussion of women's paddlers? You got to give a little shout-out to Mary Schlimmer here. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. just finished that big race in Belize. Didn't uh, finish. One. One, yes, it yes, won the women. Won. Yeah. won the women's division, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. All right, we can keep this rolling now. Let's uh, let's jump into the New York training camp preview. And and it's funny you mentioned uh, Norman Mangy for uh, the Florida camp because two year a couple years ago, the year that Chris Prue won his first um, Asabo, he came to the Northern New York camp. And that's where we met and we got our friendship and he calls me dirty, dirty. And, uh, for those that go to the camp this year, we'll play some more dirty, dirty, and it'll be fun. And, uh, it's a drinking game. So it's, it's, it's <laughs> nice. a lot of, uh, um, a lot of banter. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, we were paddling, you know, right next to each other for, and I actually ended up being able to put a uh, YouTube video on the, but I didn't realize that was him. 
<laughs> and I was like paddling for this, you know, hours yeah. with them. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like, yeah, they're Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had no clue. That that was my thing. That day with Nate, I was like, yeah, we're we're just hanging out with a couple of Canadians, right? Cool. Yeah, that's I know Eve. I've talked to Eve before, but that's yeah, just some other Canadian dude. <laughs> he's a good fella. Yeah. And uh, he's actually, um, Chris is, I guess, undecided if he's going to be able to make it to the New York camp. But I okay. heard that he's going to try. So, um with this current situation, I don't know if he will be able to, but Gary says that he might be able to get off for the weekend and he might uh, be able to come down. So that would be cool. Um, other names that we're looking at coming, uh, um, Tommy Pellerin might be coming. Uh, okay. Rod McLean, the winner of the C-170 this year. Um, Shane McDowell, um, Patrick Madden. Um, all the schlimmers pretty much, <laughs> um, they're always at everything in New York. And then, uh, there's my dog. <laughs> he wanted to, he wanted to add into the conversation. Yeah, he just so, had to get into the, but, yeah, it's cool. Um, so we got a lot, I mean, it's looking for a, over 40, probably 40 to 50 people, I think are going to be, uh, showing up for the camp. Yeah, I am, um, I am kind of jealous, like every year. Gary invites me out there and every year something comes up this year. We're heading out of town. Uh, I'm going to take advantage of it before race season, just the, the paddle wife and I, um, but it sounds like you guys have some pretty cool presenters and some pretty cool kind of clinics that you're going to do as far as dry land stuff goes. Walk me through that. Oh yeah, so so the dryland stuff this year is going to be pretty darn pretty darn sweet. So the one year Chris did a presentation, next year I did it, and then uh, we didn't actually have the camp last year. This year, um, well, the the second presenter might not happen, and I'll tell you why. But um, the yeah. first presenter is going to be uh, Peter Heed. So that that's another person that is uh, pretty iconic in the marathon world. He is the author of. Uh, the only wow. book on marathon canoe racing. Get to say, and, yeah, he is the the only author, right? That's it. <laughs> I've got the book, <laughs> right? Who, who hasn't read that book like three times yeah. over? Yeah, three's an so, understatement. But carry on. <laughs> and uh, so um, he is coming, and he has mo- like uh, canoe models and a wave blanket where he, he is able to present. Um, how to best use every rideable wave to your advantage while riding, defending, and attacking during a race is what he calls it. I apologize for my dogs, guys. <laughs> I am I am jealous. You're gonna have to video the the heed advanced yeah. riding technique session because that is that is huge. So he wrote race world wrote, exclusive. Yeah, he wrote Austin the 70 last year with Johanna, I can't pronounce her last name, Johanna Falloon or something like that. Canadian, Ottawa maybe. Um, and then all of a sudden he dropped us like a bad habit. Like you knew it was coming. He is so good at riding and, and maximizing that. So yeah, it. Uh, I almost wanted to stop during the 70 and be like, hey, will you autograph my, my copy of your book for me? So I may... <laughs> <laughs> May ship it out yet? Have you? Anyway. <laughs> yep. So, and then the uh, if he's able to make it, Ben Schlimmer is going to be doing the second part of uh, Canoe Race Worlds. Ben Schlimmer is going to do the second part of the uh, presentation and basically tying that into okay. overall race strategy and key workouts to maximize your own personal race strategy so um so it'll be a cool little segue peter's presentation into um what uh what ben's gonna discuss and if ben does can't make it i i'm i will do the presentation myself um ben works for syracuse university he's uh, in the mm-hmm. it department they um they are now going totally online because of coronavirus and yeah. they are not 
prepared for it. <laughs> so it, um, it, it, it's interesting you mentioned that. I am sitting in a, if you hear echo, I'm sitting in a hotel room right now. I'm uh, in the Upper Peninsula. I decided to run out and get some required travel done before we maybe can't travel. Um, and literally, as soon as I got up here, I got the email from my company. I, I work for a very large insurance company that basically said, hey, nobody probably should be doing any traveling unless it's absolutely necessary. And I went, well, I'm, I'm already here. But the hotels that I stay in up here, because the Upper Peninsula is so rural, like all the business people tend to stay in the same hotels. Yeah, they're empty, like like a ghost town. Uh, yeah, I, I had the whole bar restaurant to myself tonight. It was a, it was weird. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. So so yeah. So he doesn't know if he's going to be uh, tied up with a whole bunch of overtime uh, work. Um, so, but if he's able to get get it uh, work sorted out he will be there so right now um, hey uh, what, what do we have going on with the site and we got some site updates and stuff yeah yeah so um this actually this podcast is probably going live on uh canoe race world's one year anniversary we made it a year year. <laughs> so we are now young <laughs> yeah, exactly so, um, and with that uh, comes the official announcement for to Team Canoe Race World. I'm uh, super excited to have this group of fellas um, to uh, represent uh, Canoe Race World uh, this coming year. So, uh, be on the lookout for that to drop on Thursday. We are also, or today, because I will be posting this on uh, on that yeah. day. Also, um, we are. Also doing a giveaway for a Coxmate GPS. So this is a $300 GPS unit that measures stroke rate. And uh, I was um, I reviewed this. This is one of the first things that was reviewed on the site. And uh, decided to, I have my own personal GPS preferences. So I said, why don't we give this away? So um, we're going to give that away to one of our uh, uh, loyal followers, and there's going to be a couple ways to enter that contest. We're going to do the, the share and like on the Facebook post, but also check-ins and reviews on our Facebook page will get you additional entries. So if you're uh, really looking to, to get a, a free $300 GPS, um, you know, check in and and uh leave us a review hopefully a good review you know <laughs> but and then uh um we we did end up getting a drone and i have a whole other story on our for my uh first drone flight on you the didn't wall already did you <laughs> it technically did not crash <laughs> okay, okay. Like, we still have an operational drone. We still are a okay. <laughs> awesome. But it was a bit scary. I will say that. And then, um, but you'll be seeing more footage uh, from that. We're going to bring the drone to the camp, New York camp too. And then I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to Sean Brabrant and Crystal Richer um, for their support of Canoe Race World. And that is all we got for the um, site updates. So um, let's take a quick moment and give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Paddlesport Risk Management. Um, Larry and uh, Maria LaCorey are the principals of the outfit. They have been insuring Paddlesport longer than anyone. Larry insured his first canoe race. Back in 1980, when I was not even a thought yet, Larry and Maria are also paddlers, so they know what's up in paddle sport. Larry has been a marathon paddler for 40 years. He's done outrigger, whitewater kayak, and even raced dragon boats. He was part of the USCA president for four years and was a NIMCA director for close to 10 years. In Maria's race, outrigger, and dragon boat, both here and in Hong Kong. Um, Paddlesport Risk Management's rates are just about the lowest you'll see in the country. 
And so they insure more races and clubs than any other firm. They insure events, clubs, associations, clinics, and on-water demos. Most of the biggest races you've, you've done will be insured by them. Please check them out on our website and at pat, uh, paddlesportriskmanagement.com or on their Facebook page. And with that, let's bring on our guest, Sean Burke. How are we doing today, Sean? I am doing great today, Kevin. Thanks very much for having me. Hey, Bill. Hey, Sean. Thanks for coming on, man. Delighted. Delighted. Thank you. <laughs> now, for those of you that don't know who Sean is, let's give you a little bit of a background on him. He is the creator and author of The Science of Paddling, which is basically a collection of articles um, about the science of paddling. <laughs> Pretty self-explanatory. Um, he has a PhD from MIT in mechanical engineering, so that's how you know he has the the educational know-how to be spewing the the math of uh, of paddling, which goes a little bit above my uh, my math skills. But we can talk about that a little later. Um, he runs and owns his own con uh, engineering consulting practice, and he started canoeing back in 1989. So he is a fellow paddler. He's not just um, an engineer. He loves to paddle. He has he is in the very coveted 700 club for General Clinton, meaning he has completed the 70 mile or 10 times, and he's also. Uh, actually, go on to Canoe Race World to find an article he wrote on the Muskoka River X, um, which is a good read, too. So um, that's a little bit of background on Sean. Yeah, Bill, hey, why don't you hey, start us off with some questions? Yeah, before we get into, like, Sean here, I got to say, Kevin, you know, there was just a book posted on the Science of Paddling Facebook page that kind of explains mathematics with pictures. You may want to pick it up and read it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Ben Orland's book, uh, Math with Bad Drawings. You go to his website or just search for Math with Bad Drawings. It's hilarious. It's insightful. It's witty. And uh, it's. I wish I had had a math teacher like that. Uh, many times uh, coming up, someone who can make these things a lot more approachable. He also has a book on uh, calculus to changes the only constant that uh, I actually got as a Christmas present this year. So shows you the kind of presents I look for. Right on. Well, that, that definitely beats what I get, like socks. So. <laughs> hey, walk me, walk, me, walk me through it. Like, let's start this off with what inspired the science of paddling. Well, it's uh, all goes back to a discussion I had on the water, training with a group of guys paddling C1 up on the Contucook River in New Hampshire. Oh, boy. Nine years ago, I think. Uh, okay. Tom Walton, Peter Beckett, and Phil Cole. Phil's one of my heroes. I actually did a race with Phil when he was 91. So uh, one of our heroes here in the Northeast of paddling. Right and on. we're just chatting about stuff. And Phil had a engineering background. And... Uh, Peter uh, was a boat designer, and Tom, well-known uh, paddler, used to organize the biathlon at the Nationals. Um, and the question came up, like, why is a tandem not twice as fast as a solo? Like, why is that? Like, that's a really interesting question. Hmm. And you know, we're batting around and talking about it while we're all packed up in C1s, uh, working on uh, wake riding and stuff. And we pulled out, had pizza, went home, and then it just sort of stuck in my head, like, well, why is it? that a tandem isn't twice as fast as a solo. So next day, uh, in between work and play and all, I took out a, a piece of paper and started to scratch some ideas and tried to figure out why that was. And that was the genesis of the first article, uh, Tandem versus Solo, back, oh boy, I think nine years ago, that appeared in the Necra newsletter and then later appeared on surfskiracing.com and then on surfski.info, a uh, South African website focused on surf ski, mostly for South Africa, Australia, and uh, Hong Kong. So, again, just, just came out of that conversation. Right. That's cool. That is, that is really cool. Say, real quick, we don't need the whole dissertation, but why isn't the tandem twice as fast as the solo, for the people that haven't read the article? Well, read the article. <laughs> no, it, it's if you, you, yeah. No, if you try to find out what it is that actually makes the uh, boat move, the thing that makes the boat move is the amount of power that you can put into the water. Right. Uh, 
people talk about, you know, is it, should I get stronger or should I get strong and fast or should I get lighter and all those sorts of things? They kind of answer those questions along the way. It comes down to how much power you can put in the water. And there's a proportionality between power and cruising speed that shows that the cruising speed is proportional to the cube root of the amount of power in the boat. Right? So those of you who aren't comfortable with cube roots, square root is, uh, if you have a number, the square root of it is the number, two numbers you'd multiply together to get that. So like the square root of 25 is five. Uh, cube root is uh, a number that if you multiplied it by itself three times, you'd get the original number. So like the cube root of 27 is three. So you can see that uh, with additional doublings of power, you're only increasing your speed by the cube root of two rather than by a factor of two. And so that insight has led to a lot of other articles. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, there are some uh, good ones, and that kind of just, uh, I like the, the uh, it's the one with uh, if you're paddling in sync or not. I, I forget the title of it. It's called yeah. Paddling in Sync. Paddling, yeah. it's literally Paddling in Sync, yep. Yeah, yeah that one, I, I put a question up on Facebook, like, which article would folks want to see rewritten or expanded on the most? I haven't heard back yet, but I know which one it would be for me, and it would actually be that article. Um, not completely satisfied with it, but I'm glad that you like it. Um, yeah. It also, uh, that one came out of uh, when I was training for the Clinton with Tom. Tom and I did the 75 times uh, together. And one of the things that he really instilled in me is you want it so that bow and stern are in sync. And in sync turns into something that you feel in the boat, not so much that you see. Because yep. if you actually look at video of, of paddlers, you'll see that stern paddlers often lead the bow paddler slightly. Uh, because of what it is that the stern paddler has to do to maintain heading. But the peak of the force that's exerted by each end of the boat has to occur at the same time. And if you do that, you'll notice that it feels like there's only one blade in the water. Like you, you feel it, and you feel it when it's just off by a little bit. And uh, he instilled that in, in me as a, a tandem partner. And then I wanted to explore, like, well, what is the advantage? And indeed, there is an advantage uh, in people getting synced up. And that's the second installment. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say that because uh, um, I paddled uh, the 2017 marathon with Mike Freeze. And yep. for those of you that know Mike, he is, uh, he's very, very technical when mm -hmm. it comes to his paddling. And that was one of those things he's like, you know, he drilled and drilled and drilled. And I knew them. I know knew the importance at that point, but it was the feel for the power being applied at the exact same moment. Mm -hmm. Whereas in, um, you know, up until that point it was, uh, you know, Oh, the paddle should look like they're going in at the same time. He's like, no, <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's not what it is. It's where, you know, cause your paddle could be in the water, but if you're not putting, putting the force on it at the very front and he is mm -hmm. then that's when you're off they'll look yep. like they're in sync but they're not and, and they're not as fast as they can be exactly right. yep yeah and in fact mike has that wonderful video i don't know if you can still get it but i think i have a vhs coffee on uh, marathon technique and training and i think he emphasized it uh, there as well yeah yep i have it it's it's a, it's a good little video i hope yeah yeah, I'd like and, to get and, it up on Canoe Race World at some point, but I just oh, haven't. I'd have to pull out an old old uh, um, laptop because my my laptop doesn't have a CD drive. So, <laughs> and, and really, what this brings up is what I hope folks can start to take away from the articles is it's good to close the loop between practice and all this kooky stuff that's in the articles. Um, so th these articles oftentimes really come up from questions that. Either I have because I'm curious or people ask me or come up when I'm training with people and paddling with people. It's like, well, why is it that X occurs? And why should you paddle in sync? Why is a tandem not twice as fast as a solo? You know, why does a boat slow down? Why does shallow water literally suck? Uh, why? why? You know, I sound like a two-year-old. I know, like, why, why, why? But... In, in looking at the why, occasionally some interesting additional insights pop out when you dig into it. So it's to try to you know, close the loop between what you feel in the boat and what you see people doing and why that's happening. And then can you learn other things from it? 
you know what you know what I find find fascinating too about that is because like it, it kind of uh, I come from a bodybuilding background, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of um, things that anecdotally had you know people that were training back in the seventies and eighties and nineties you know um, were ahead of the science at that point. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, it's interesting to see science catch up to them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of mm-hmm. like what you're doing with, with, what paddle, with paddling. Well, the, the example there to tie into your, your uh, bodybuilding strength training uh, field is the uh, article Power to the Paddlers that I did when I learned about VBT, velocity-based training for strength training. Right. Because I remember learning from the two classic books by Tudor Bampa. Um, they're very difficult reads, uh, one called periodization and the other one called periodization training for sports to so talk about periodizing strength training. And that was kind of a revolution to me to, to think of that as, oh, strength training is just something you do. You horse around some weights and well, if you can lift them easily, you horse around some more weights and you just keep on going, right? Well, it's not really the best way to approach it. And specific weight ranges train different functional aspects. And that was a real eye-opener for me to, to see that. And then stumbling upon VBT was the thing that caught my attention because, again, let's go back to the first article. What is it that gives you cruising speed? It's power. And power is the ability to move force or exert force quickly. And the whole VBT approach is if you've got cyclic kinds of exercise motions like paddling, um, this is a way to try to quantify uh, and, and structure training programs around power development rather than around strength development. And I can say for me personally, using uh, the, the VPT sensor, the Beast sensor from that Italian company, has certainly helped my starts. There's, there's no question about that. It's helped my starts. Whether it helps me in something like the 70, eh, you know. <laughs> yet, yet to be seen. Yet to be seen, exactly. hasn't been borne out, but starts... Uh, no question. Well, it, it's very interesting. So you talk about power to the paddler, and I think that was like, what, eight or nine or nine or ten mm-hmm. or something like that yeah. that you put out. Um, the thing that I kind of took away from that and from this general conversation, and we're having this debate right now in Michigan um, as far as the core group of paddlers in Grayling, you know, Normally, we have races on weekends. Monday's a rest day. Mm-hmm. You know, Tuesday, we do this. Wednesday, we do that. Thursday, we do the other. And then we rest on Friday, and the weekends are races again. Well, somebody finally kind of raised their hand and went, you, you know, we might not be doing this in an optimal manner for maximum benefit. Mm-hmm. Like, what we're doing is great, mm-hmm. but what if we're doing the wrong things at the wrong time or the right things at the wrong time or something of that nature. And it's just interesting to me. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of what we do as far as training for racing goes derives from what people have done training for running and maybe cycling, uh, because there's a bigger body of athletes that compete in running and cycling than paddling. And so we've kind of borrowed from there, uh, as much as we can. So intervals, intervals, if you do them of this length, they work your VO2 max. If you do them a lot longer, you're starting to work your uh, lactate system. Uh, And if you do these kinds of things, it will uh, benefit your uh, overall endurance. So uh, we're, we're, we're doing that. And I think it's possible now to start looking at these things and fine tuning them. Um, The power of the paddlers was one where I said, okay, strength training has been valuable to me. Uh, I'm not built like a lot of the the elite paddlers. I'm built more like a cornerback. And so why don't take advantage of that? And how can I take advantage of that? Well, get a little bit more power out of it. Or the article that I did, uh, was it late last year? The 30, 30 intervals. 30, 30, 30 second, 30 second intervals is not new, but looking at it physiologically in terms of how it is that resistance is experienced in paddling versus resistance is experienced in running is two different things. And so your recovery yeah. pace should be different. And I can tell you, I did my 30, 30 workout this morning. Today is interval. Hey, me too. Hey, all right. <laughs> Dude. 
<laughs> I did my 3030s today and I was watching, I was doing it on the ERG because it was early and I was watching Deadwood. And uh, if you've seen Deadwood, Deadwood involves a lot of foul language. Ah, yes. But by the time I hit about the 15th or the 16th rep, I was doing a lot of foul language myself. <laughs> but I, I honestly think that it's, it's not necessarily revolutionary. It can be a way of taking from these other sports, which are so well established in training, right. tune it to the specific characteristics of paddling. And I think that's, there's, there's some room there as well on the training side to, to try to do that. Yeah, that's 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 really cool because like I've like I want to tie those all those three things that we were kind of just, you you both were just talking about, but like because I've been doing the thirty by thirty and we talk about progression and periodization, mm-hmm. and that's what I train in blocks and yep. I got that from my strength training uh, background, so. Um, but you do see this this tied over from you know triathlon and and cycling yes. and everything like that. They they do blocks also. So like right now I'm in a VO2 block. So mm-hmm. my key workout is that 30 by 30. So and I work on, on a progression. So I'm trying to either increase vol, you know, increase that the number of of sets, you know, um, that I can produce that. Or I am trying to improve the actual numbers that are mm-hmm. that are there. So sure, exactly. And, uh, yep. yep. And that's kind of when we talk about power too. That's something that I've had this conversation with uh, Ben Schlimmer a bunch, and uh, you know, and and people think about getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Stronger doesn't in necessarily necessarily <laughs> increase in power because mm-hmm. power is, you know. Uh, strength over speed pretty yep. much in a, yep. in a, in a short, short, short sense. So it's not necessarily how much weight you can move, but how fast you can move the weight. Precisely. Uh, Precisely. So, but you have to be able to lift the weight to be able to, you know, move it faster. So well, it, it's, it's a little bit like a, a tachometer on a car, right? Uh, what you're doing and what we're all doing in our training is, is unlike a car, which has a fixed location for the red line, you know, so many RPM, that's the red line. What we can do with training is we can push the red line up. And so what you're doing with strength is you're developing strength reserve by having the additional strength and the additional power that I know for a start, uh, you can uh, exert that to get yourself where it is that you want to be off the line. Uh, and hopefully, you know, not, not get stuck in the wash by a whole bunch of people. Uh, and then going forward, for the, the longer part of the race and the repetitions you're doing, because you've got that power and strength reserve, you're operating at a lower percentage of it than maybe some of your competition, and there's your advantage. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Hey, what, what races are we going to see you at this year, Sean? Well, I want to do, uh, if all goes well, a couple of the, the downriver races. I'm originally from Maine, and I still have some ties up there. In fact, the first race I ever did was uh, one of the macro races, Maine Canoe Kayak Racing Organization races, way back in 92 uh, on the Sandy River. So I'm hoping to get up and do a couple of those. In fact, my favorite race anywhere is the uh, Pisaka-Sawakeg Stream Race, uh, otherwise known as the Passy, because... It's hard to say, Pasekasawakeg. But the Passy, it's this, this great little spring run. Uh, it's twisty. It's got some great rock gardens. It's got a couple of big, wavy drops. And I like doing some whitewater early in the season just because it kind of gives me the feel of the boat and all. Um, so I'd like to do some of those. And then I'll be doing the uh, 70 C4 this year. Uh, i got a C4 team pulled together. And so we'll be doing at least the Mystic uh, here, which is one of the uh, Necro races as a warm-up for that, probably something else, but that hasn't been settled on by the team. Uh, putting together a C4 team and getting their schedules aligned is, is a, a, a thing in itself. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm a little jealous. Are you, are you racing stock C4 or are you stock racing C4. Olympic? Yeah, stock, stock C4. Yeah, I got a, a Saranac, which uh, took me a little bit of uh, learning to figure out how to trim that boat. But uh, once we got that sorted out, the boat runs really, really nice. You know, we, we talk about, and I'm going to jump a little further forward and then we can come back into, you know, like races and stuff like that. That would be a great topic for <laughs> trim, like boat trim would be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that would be a great one. But anyways, uh, yeah. what, what, what races like, what races excite you? Like, do you have anything exciting coming this year? 
Well, the 70, I, I love that race. Uh, it's my second favorite race after the Passy. And people that don't know anything about our sport, guys, when you hear, oh, yeah, my, one of my favorite races is this 70-mile you know, race down in New York, they go, what? <laughs> you know, like I've got three heads or something. It's a great race. It's got a nice feel uh, to it. Uh, I love the course. Um, it's so interesting at the start. And uh, it basically is how much you can keep your act together in the second half uh, to do yeah. well uh, and, and deal with just all that concrete water below Aniata Dam. Um, so I, I love that race. Uh, and this year, we're going to put in an application uh, to do something fun. Uh, we want to do C4 at the uh, Adirondack Classic. And we're mixing it up a little bit in that my wife, who's been my crew chief at all the 70s, and who's not a racer, you know, doesn't have a competitive bone in her body, wants to do one of these long-distance races. So we're pulling together a team for the uh, Classic with her, and we're really looking forward to getting her in the boat with us. That's awesome. That'll be. That's awesome. Yeah, man, that is awesome. My, uh, <laughs> my, my wife is a lot the same way, and she's actually a pretty good paddler, but she has no desire to really paddle paddle train paddle mm -hmm. anything like mm -hmm. but she'll go out and paddle right mm -hmm. um, and she green-lighted me to buy a c4 last fall mm. and i should have just went out and like instantly did it before she changed her mind because that <laughs> was her she's like hey you know let's get a c4 and we can take the kids out and all four of us can get in the boat and <laughs> you know this that i, I should have just did it i'm jealous man. yeah yeah well the, the thing that you'll notice uh with the first time you get people in the c4 when they start paddling is it's just these big goofy grins that they get it's like this is so cool and yeah. it, they're they're a lot of fun I'm, I'm also excited to see this year they're going to have unlimited c4 at the 70 because my hope yep. is, is some of the elite teams go uh uh there and it leaves stock C4 to the rest of us. <laughs> now, um, I did the 90, and that was the first race I did the C4, and I did it this past year. And I'll say that the 90 is a great race for someone that's not, uh, you know, really, you know, super competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, because the large majority of the participants in the 90, um, you know, are just doing it just to have, you know, for the experience of it. Exactly. Well, the other thing for me with paddling at this point is I want to do things that are fun. And I don't think I have the balls, the wall, you know, got to be up front thing in me for paddle sports. I have too many things going on in my life personally and professionally. So I'm looking for things that are fun, that have some challenge to them, that are interesting to me. Races that are well run attract me. Uh, and so, you know, those are kind of the criteria. And you know, we'll do a bunch of those, and then oh, my wife and I will go off and we'll do a week hiking vacation. You know, do do yeah. others. So I know and and admire and appreciate those people who work real hard through the whole season and excel in all of these really challenging marathons. Um, not quite my thing, but you know, someday I do want to do the uh, the Osable. So yeah. uh, just because out here uh, in New England, I got to tell you. For all the Michigan folks out there, people just chat that race up and say nothing but absolutely tremendous things, not only about the race, but about how welcoming uh, the place is out there. So you know, that one's Sean, on. Sean, have you ever done the 90? I have not done the 90. I've, I've, okay, okay. I've canoed most of the course, but canoe yep. tripping. But, so uh, racing. Um, if you like the 70, okay, um, I love the the seventies near and dear to my heart because I did it when I was eight and all that jazz. Um, I will say that the ninety and the marathon are run at a totally different level. Okay. Of of perf, of professionalism in terms of organization. Okay. So um, so if you like that, then you're you're definitely gonna have you're you're definitely gonna enjoy that. Outstanding. Um, yeah, like uh, at the end of the 90 each day you go up, they have like chicken, like broth soups and potato chips and like <laughs> all like these perfectly like the you, the foods that you're just dying to have post-workout because you want to yeah. get some extra sodium in you. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah, give me something salty and something sweet. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. And so like, you know, they have all that and it's just it's it's a it's a top, you know. It's a that's a lot of boats that yeah, they, they yeah. push through and did, and, did uh, that race just sell? Uh, didn't somebody actually did. 
Bye. Yeah, I think Bye. it's uh, the uh, the canoe trail folks, uh, North Forest canoe trail folks. I think bought yep. it, but I think they're going to uh, have a transition year. Uh, and then they'll take it over and that's good to know because one of the board members of the northern forest canoe trail was my 70 partner uh one year nicole grohowski so uh i'll be i haven't seen her since that announcement but i'm uh, anxious to learn more about uh, northern forest canoe trail what their vision is going forward from someone who's on the board yeah have her uh, have her reach out to us that would be very interesting about that about that race and that transition Mm -hmm. um, I, I've never did the 90 either. I've never paddled that area. But that is the one, like, you look at it and you go, yeah, that's the one I think I'd like to do someday. Bring the wife out, maybe bring the kids, do a, a whole family trip in that aspect of it. Because it seems to combine racing and canoe tripping together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, looking forward to that, having paddled out there uh, a number of times. Because I come from a canoe tripping background uh it's gorgeous out there it's really pretty the adirondacks so that's a, definitely a piece of the draw uh to go out and just be in that kind of a setting yeah for sure for sure um yeah i can't i can't say any, enough good things about the 90 it's one of those things that it, it's the scenery is just the adirondacks is just beautiful in general so um there are sections of that race that it's just it's it's absolutely breathtaking Mm -hmm. So, um, just to be in that and, and it's, it's such a cool atmosphere. And if you're like, so the C4s go last pretty mm -hmm. much. And so there's 270, you know, so boats in front of you and you pass most of them because <laughs> they start off with a recreational, um, and they're doing them only in like five minute waves. Mm -hmm. So you know, they're not, it's not like, uh, with the 70, they have like the, you know, you pass most of the boats in the 70, if not all of them too, um, when you're in the pro class, but they spread those, their starts out yes, because it's, absolutely. you know, such a long, uh, such a long race. Yep. Whereas in the, the 90, the starts aren't spread out as far. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's cool cause you, you're coming up and, you know, you come up on someone and you're like, hey, how you doing? And, you're, you know, you're just jibber-jabbering with them. And there's, a, like, there'll be, like, uh, some college teams and they're they're just having fun. And, oh, you know. They, so, and, it sounds like my idea of a good time. There's a race, a whitewater race up in Maine uh, on the Kanduskeg stream. Uh, the Kanduskeg is pretty famous up in, in this neck of the woods. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's a 16-and-a-half-mile whitewater race it's part of the macro series and it's been going on for a long time i've done it five times actually one mixed once and uh it is got some big whitewater in it uh class three uh, stuff in some spots but also a lot of it's just quick water class one class two and um you'll see everything out there one year we did it there were 450 boats in it kayaks and canoes and 450 boats on a narrow whitewater stream that's only 16 and a half mile long is really interesting. Yeah, it's a traffic jam. But like you're describing, Kevin, is that you have people, which I love, it draws out local people, gets them on the water. Um, they've got great safety uh, teams out there taking care of things. And it's a real community happening. And yeah, you've got the serious people who get in the early registrations and the, the racing kayaks and stuff. And there's also some great C2 teams there. Um, and so, you know, they'll do their thing, but it's everyone else's part of it. And so you'll see the people with the propeller beanies and, uh, another one is Larry Daryl and Daryl, uh, it's these guys that have this big inflatable Gumby in the middle of their canoe and they do it every year. And, uh, Zip Kellogg, who's a friend, he does the race every year solo and going through six mile falls, this big, uh, class three drop, he does it standing up wearing a tuxedo with a boutonniere in his lapel. So uh, it's a thing, right? So everyone's out there having fun. It's a great event. And so it mixes this community interest plus some iconic paddlers plus some serious racers. And, and I love that kind of a mix. Uh, that's awesome. um, that sounds like the rat race too a bit. The rat race has a lot yeah. of big mix like that. Yep. So, but hey, uh, cool. Yeah, let's let's talk real quick. Like, what do you have as far as? Do you have any topics uh, you're working on on your website? Like, any uh -huh. what's what's Article Twenty One? Well, I have a few things 
bopping around. Right now, actually, I'm, I'm getting ready for a business trip down to New York City tomorrow. And uh, so I'm getting prepped for that. And I'd like to get some stuff kind of out that has been simmering. Um, okay. And it's not directly related to paddling, but it's like that article that I put out, What Fuels You? Just kind of an overview of the different physiological systems that are, are yeah, engaged in uh, exercise. Um, as they use that as a, a basis for other things. Uh, there's an article I want to do just talking about GPS in sport uh, and how it's been used primarily in running and cycling, but also in paddling and the development of handheld uh, and then wrist mounted kinds of uh, GPS receivers and how that all came into play and something I actually have a background in because of my work. And so uh, I'd like to get that out there just for general interest. Uh, so that's a near term one. Um, Another one, I, I like the trim idea. I, I think I'm going to kind of think about that one some, Bill. I appreciate that suggestion. Looking at trim uh, is a good one. Uh, a couple of others, uh, I'd like to do something about um, nonlinear waves. Now, that sounds like a very academic thing, but that's the thing that really comes up when you're in shallow water and you start to surf waves. Yep. I'd like to try to quantify that. Uh, and uh, I think, and this is me just sort of projecting out, I haven't worked through it. Uh, what you're seeing is the thing called a soliton, which is uh, a wave pattern that holds its shape and moves along all together rather than like what you see on a lake where you see the, the very long wavelength waves hitting you first and then the, the closer waves hitting you later, thing called dispersion. Uh, you've seen that if you've ever seen like powerboat wakes coming at you from across a lake. Uh, solitons, the shallow water stuff we see in, in very shallow water, forms this pattern, a very sharp wave, and it holds itself together and actually is very powerful in its influence on hulls. And so I'd like to try to quantify that a little bit. Don't know exactly when that one's going to happen. I need some inspiration. And then a couple of others. These are more speculative. Um, I've been working with kind of in the background on a new paddle design. And I'm trying to figure out exactly what to do with it, a new blade design. And it'd be fun to actually you know, get one built and try it and get that out there. Uh, different blade shape based on physics. Uh, and then the next one would be um, what I'm calling a fit kit for uh, bench shaft paddlers. Uh, something that would allow you to, to leverage the stuff in that article about the bend where I tied together the fact that you want maximum velocity of the blade when the blade is perpendicular to the water, and that would be ideal. Right. So that says something about your not only stroke mechanics, but also the angle of the bend. Yeah. So is there a way to put sensors on the shaft, even if it's just on an erg, that would allow you to size and sort out hand positions and blade angles to provide something like a, a, a analogous to a, a bike, a fit kit for couples. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. That... Um... That, that is something that, you know, yeah, we, we take from, uh, I don't know about anyone else, but I look at those other sports to see what I can pull yep. and use in paddling. And that's something that I have never thought about doing a fit kit, but that's one of those things that people, you always hear in paddling, what, what size, what size paddle do you use? <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it, there's 18 bajillion different answers for what the correct paddle size is. Mm -hmm. And you get, you know, like, you know, I'm I, Ben, ben uh, Schlimmer is my training partner. And I remember one time asking him, he's like, yeah, like a 54 inch in the C1 and like a 48 in the C2. And, yeah. and like, yeah, like most people can't, can't handle that much paddle, you mm -hmm. know. Um, difference, but it's just because he, ha he has a, a crazy, you know, power, you know, strength to weight ratio. So he's able to to to, to maneuver it. In my opinion, that's why it is. Yeah, um, but it's also things like um, what do they call? It? I, I'm probably going to get the word wrong here. This is a physiology term, like bicordial distance, by by something old distance. Essentially, the the spacing between your shoulders, the the dimension there, plus mm -hmm. uh, the kind of rotation angle that you get, plus your torso length plus where the seat sits compared to the water line. Yep. All of these things, I think, get yeah. tied together. Uh, so the, the, the short answer for like what the best paddle is, is, well, the best paddle is the one that allows you to paddle the fastest, right? Right. Yep. <laughs> you know, so right. you just try them all and, and see. 
but I, I have a feeling it's probably uh, possible to maybe zero in and give you at least a range of options, like what bend angle, what length, what hand positions right. uh, could allow you to get maximum velocity when the blade is vertical. And it also may help you in terms of some mechanics as well in terms of catch. So that's one that I'm uh, batting around and actually have some uh, sensors and processors that I've started to muck around with a little bit. Gotcha. That's, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I love the analytical approach to, to paddling and into single blading. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at the math and, and really more than that, you're looking at the why mm -hmm. uh, so much with paddling and I'm working on a, uh, I was asked to write a book a few years back on the ensemble and I kind of, you know, uh, yeah, whatever. And I back burnered it. And, uh, started kind of working on it again and there's a section of the river that i've been researching and trying to put together and at the end of the day like nobody can really explain the why or what that the very top paddlers are doing on that four and a hmm. half mile section hmm. and what it comes down to is that they're basically doing physics you know <laughs> but it's, it's instincts purely yeah instincts they don't even realize that they're doing it they can't explain it but they're doing physics better well, than anybody else no well i guess the way i put it is that if sitting here right now you're doing physics you may not realize it but you are yeah. uh you know and, and i could run through all the different things but you know why bother doing that it would just take a lot of time but <laughs> I, I think what the best paddlers have done is they've developed a um a keen understanding of the relationship between the water, the boat, and themselves. They, they, they've really developed a, a kind of a unified understanding of all those things and how they relate to each other. And the water, I'll use the term conditions, the water conditions the boat, the boat conditions the water, the paddler ties into all of that. And they, I also think the top paddlers are really good at completely absorbing themselves in the task at hand. Uh, so that they can uh, start out with decent lines and then tune things subtly because of experience and can, again, just throw themselves completely into the race rather than most of us end up getting distracted and thinking about, I don't know, you know, like, how's my stock portfolio doing and did I turn off the microwave or something? Yeah. Uh, you know, that sort of Marketing stuff. So, all right today. It kind of bounced back, but yeah, that's, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I think a lot of those things. So yeah, we're, we're all doing whether we, we realize or not, we're, physics is happening around us all the time and everywhere, you know, with our, with what we're doing here right now there's a heck of a lot of physics making it possible for us to talk to each other guys um, <laughs> there's a lot of mathematics involved in making it possible for us to talk to each other right now and what i hope happens out of the articles is is uh, because of that is is the following um math and physics is just some way of thinking about the world around you and i've focused on the paddle sport aspect of it in a lot of the, the articles. But all they are is just ways of thinking about things, just ways of uh, viewing and trying to understand and pull something out uh, so that you can better appreciate, maybe get some takeaways from. But it's really just a, a way of looking at things. It's not uh, magic uh, in any way. It's things that are uh, just based on logic, really. And I just happen to have a, a natural facility for it. Um, I also spent a lot of years in graduate school studying it, <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's, I hope that people can at least take away the, the, the takeaways from the articles, get some sense of the, the reasoning behind things in reading them, if not all the specifics of the math. Don't worry about the math. Just, just try to follow the arguments. If you can follow the arguments and get to the conclusions, you, you've, you get pulled out a lot because... I, I'd like to shout out to all of the readers of the science of paddling and say that in reading those articles, you are actually having to put a fair amount of effort in to, to, to do that, what I've just described. And I'm very grateful for that level of effort because it feels as though that I'm putting the effort into writing the article and the readers are putting the effort into read the articles. And I think as a result, we're both benefiting from the process. And I'm just really grateful that, that that's happening. Yeah. And and we as a paddling community are grateful for you putting it out there and making us 
think deeper into uh, what we are we are doing out there for sure. And hopefully it's fun too. Because <laughs> <they're always laughs> <doing it. laughs> yep, for sure. I think that's a that's I think that's a good place to to leave this. I really do. Um, yeah, it's good on you. Yeah. Um, hey, Sean. Sean, before we let you go, thank you, man. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, thank you for all the, your work on the science of paddling. Um, best of luck with all your wishes this year. Hopefully, our paths cross at some point in junction. Um, maybe you guys will steal the stock C4 class. That would be kind of cool, man. Sounds like you, you got it honed in. So, well, you know, we, we, if nothing else, we'll be one of the, the C4 teams that's having the most fun, if nothing else. Hey, and, nice. uh, you know, and, and the other thing is I love training too. So, you know, however it works out in the race, it works out as, as, a uh, my friend and mentor, Tom Walton puts, uh, puts it, there's three things you want to take out of a race is you want to have fun. You want to do the best job you can on that day. And then at the end, when you all get out of the boat, you will still want to be friends. So, <laughs> we can accomplish yep. that. It's been a great success. Yeah, that's anyway, exactly. Right yeah, on. Anyway, I hope to see uh, you guys out and other folks out on the, the water at some of these races this year. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a good season. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And thanks for all having right. me. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a good one. So, um, thank you all. Thank you all you listeners out there that are actually listening to this podcast. We appreciate you guys. And until next time, guys, keep on paddling. Paddle on. Thank you for listening to the canoeraceworld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at canoeraceworld.com. And don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling. Yeah.